Now I'm wondering if you can remember where you were, what you were doing three years ago. March of 2020. Anybody got any memories of that month in their life at all? <laughs> it's funny because I think March of 2020 is going to be one of those moments where you're going to be like that. Remember where you were at that time? You just have like these clear memories. I still have like one of these memories just burned into my consciousness. I remember standing at the island in our kitchen looking at the TV across the room and I had the news on and they had the death toll counter in the top left corner. And then they were showing all the video images and pictures of what was happening in hospital beds in New York City and around the country. And I remember just having this moment of, I wonder what's about to happen in this world. And then we only had two short weeks to flatten the curve, everybody, and we took care of it. Everything was solved in two weeks. It was wonderful. No, I mean, truly, that was just the beginning. And what amazes me is how much can really happen in just three years. I mean, look how much our world has changed in just the last three years. Some of us in here, if somebody told you three years ago, hey, you're going to be living here, you're going to be doing this, you're going to be with this person or not with this person anymore three years ago, and they were describing your life right now, you would not have believed them. Truly. Some of us in here right now, you had no idea what your life was going to look like today three years ago. Three years ago, some of you guys didn't think you'd be married. Three years ago, some of you guys didn't think you'd still be single or single again. Some of us in here, you thought you'd be making more money by now. Some of you guys are just astounded by the amount of money. There's just so many things in our lives that we just can't even imagine expecting even in just a short amount of time. And today we're actually starting a little series here leading up to Easter. We are calling Three Short Years. Now, because we are just a couple weeks from Easter, we felt like we just need to take some time as a church to refocus our attention in an even greater way towards Jesus and just really make sure we're preparing our hearts. And my hope is that this series kind of gets us to a place where we can all experience Easter in a much more profound way. So that's the hope. But when you think about it, Jesus probably had the most radical three-year journey out of any person in human history. This guy goes from a random, no-name, small-town carpenter to exploding on the scene, and in three short years, he's able to change the entire trajectory of human history. That's pretty incredible. Now, it's worth asking, how does somebody do that? How do you completely change the fabric of human history in just three years? And I know all the good Christians here, here's what you're going to say, well, Brian, he's God. And that's what God does. He just does what he wants to do. And this isn't that hard if you're God, if you can do miracles and all that. I'll, I'll give you that. But something I think we fail to appreciate sometimes, especially Christians, is yes, we believe Jesus was God. But at the same time, Jesus was also fully human at the same time. You know, the fancy theologians call this the hypostatic union. And while Jesus, yes, he was God, he still lived a fully human life. And when you think about it, it's kind of fascinating to consider that Jesus is the only person who has ever lived who has truly modeled a perfect life. He's the only one who has truly lived out a perfect relationship with his heavenly father. He is the only one who has perfectly fulfilled the destiny that God put on his life. And what you see in Jesus' life, which is something we just have to wrestle with, is that it's not ultimately the length of your life that matters. It is whether you fulfill the purpose that God put you on this earth for. 
we love talking about longevity, don't we? Like we have scientists that are trying to completely cancel dying. You know, we're trying to solve the aging process. And don't get me wrong, I am all about living longer. You ladies, you wanna do Botox, you wanna do tummy tuck, you guys, hey, have at it. Be my guest, totally. If I can live 80, 90 years, I'll take that. I'll take that, absolutely. But you can live 300 years and still miss God's purpose for your life. There are plenty of people who have long lifespans who completely miss the point of their life. And on the same side, there are people who don't have very long lives but fulfill every single thing God wanted for them. And you look at Jesus. He had a relatively short life, and yet he was able to make the most dramatic impact on human history that any single person has ever made. And so we're going to be asking this question for a couple weeks. What can we learn from the life of Jesus about fulfilling God's purposes in our lives? Because yes, while he was God, he still modeled what it looks like to step into everything God prepared for you in your own life. And so we're going to look at that, and we're going to start it out today. We're going to look at a little bit of a pattern in Jesus' life. And I'm wondering if you're going to be able to catch this with me when we look at this. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1 here. And this is normally a passage you would see during Christmas time, but this is an angel speaking to Mary. Look what he says. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How interesting. Before Jesus ever placed a foot on this earth, there was already a destiny in place for him. He already had a name. There was already a plan that was in motion. Now, we don't get a lot of details about Jesus' life from birth until he's about 30. It's kind of interesting. We don't get a lot. But there's one moment when Jesus is a young child that we hear about. If anybody remembers this, Jesus' parents lose him. Could you imagine losing God? I mean, that's a tough day. And they actually lost him for a couple days. Any parents here, have you ever had a lost my child moment? Any parents? I mean, it is like a rite of passage if you're a parent. The, the first time Nicole and I had a serious, we just lost our child moment, it was actually a few years ago at Flatirons Mall. If you've ever been there, there's a little kids play area right by the food court. And so there's hundreds of people everywhere. There's like 40 kids packed in like sardines in this nasty little petri dish of germs with other kids. And Nicole and I, like you, you look away for one minute at your phone, obviously, and uh, you look up and you're like, huh, my kid's gone. And any parent knows this. You have that one moment you're like, it's fine. It's totally fine. He's probably in here somewhere. And then a few moments pass, and you slip into the little nervous phase. If you know the nervous phase, you're like, okay, I really can't find him now. And then you have a really important moment in the child loss journey where you hit the panic mode. You're like, I actually have lost a child. I've lost a human being that I'm responsible for. And so Nicole and I start the panic mode. We are sprinting around this mall, running around the food court, and I feel like I have a high threshold for, I think my child is lost, and I hit that moment. So I had my phone out in my hand, and I'm getting ready to call the authorities. And as I'm getting ready to call, I look across, and lo and behold, there's this little two-year-old punk standing at this merry-go-round. The quarter machines just stand there like nothing's wrong, enjoying his life. Almost killed me. Jesus' parents lose God for three days. And it says, once they found him, this is Jesus' response. This is what's just so funny to me. Look what Jesus says in Luke 2. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? This kid's 12. 
How does he have so much certainty and clarity about who he is and what he's supposed to be doing? Like, there is a level of groundedness that you do not see in young children today. Now, Jesus grows up, steps into his ministry. He has another interesting moment in his life. Mark 138, he says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Look at this term. That is why I have come. Jesus knows exactly why he's doing what he's doing, the purpose behind it, where he's going. There is absolute clarity to his purpose. Do one more with me just to humor me. Luke 9, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus knows Jerusalem means certain death. And yet he is so committed to fulfilling the destiny and purposes for his life, not even torture and the cross will stop him from resolutely moving towards what God has for him. Now you have to ask, how was Jesus able to have such clarity and confidence about his life? How was he able to have just such a commitment to his purpose and know exactly what it is? And there's something Jesus knew. And he knew it about himself, and it's something that is even true of us. And it's this. Destiny is by design. Track with me here. Jesus had no doubts that he had a unique, custom-designed destiny from his heavenly Father. He had a particular purpose that was just for him. And even when his destiny meant horrific death, he still did not hesitate to step into it. Now, again, we look at this and we think, yes, Brian, this is Jesus. This is what we would expect from God. He knows what's going on. But what about our own lives? What about the destiny that we think about when it comes to us? I think when we start thinking about the plan God has for us, our minds go to, you know, Brian, it doesn't exactly feel like I am marching towards an eternal destiny that God has for my life it feels a lot more like randomness. It feels a lot more like I am just trying to get through the day-to-day -day stuff. Some of us in your day, you know what the highlight of your day has been so far? Wiping a kid's butt. That's been the highlight of your day so far. Some of us in here, tomorrow, we're going to jump on work calls and sit in Zoom meetings for hours they could be five minutes, but your boss doesn't know that. So you're going to sit on it for two or three hours. And you're going to be in these pointless meetings, working a job just to pay the bills. Some of this this week, you're going to be navigating family drama. You're going to be trying to figure out what to do with sick or aging family members. Like, this is what life feels like. It feels like just throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing if anything's going to stick. And we're just trying to randomly make decisions, figure out what to do. And the last word we would use for our own lives is, oh, yeah, I'm stepping into a destiny designed by God. That's not what it feels like. And if we can really be honest, some of us in here, we feel like we have already destroyed the destiny that God would have had for our lives. We're like, Brian, I have already made decisions that have put me on like plan G or Z for my life. Like I missed plan A when I was 17 and I started down a different path. Like I've been through seasons of my life and horrible experiences. There's no way I could get back onto what God really wants for my life. It doesn't feel like destiny. It feels like survival. That's what a lot of life feels like. And it's interesting that we're even starting this series today because it was three years ago, almost to the day, when I had just watched that stuff on the news, and I'm wondering, I wonder what this is going to do. And a couple days later, I lose my job. Not a great thing to happen in March of 2020. 
my wife's business depends on in-person meetings. And so we're like, okay, what's about to happen to my wife's business that she just spent a year and a half trying to build up? And so we went into a mode where Nicole and I were thinking, this ain't destiny anymore. This is survival. And actually, it was March of 2020 when I remember essentially making a decision in my mind, you know what? I think ministry is just not for me. Because this journey has been too discouraging of this whole church stuff. And I don't have time to live out my dreams. Okay, I have kids that are sick and I have a wife and I have bills. I just need to survive. It's time just to get through. And actually, it was during this season, I was getting ready to work nights at FedEx. I was happy to start moving some boxes. I was interviewing with an organization to be a manager of multiple car washes. And I'm like, good, pays better than ministry. So I'm just going to move on with my life. It's about survival. Now, for many of us, that's how life feels. You need to be reminded sometimes that your feelings do not accurately represent reality most of the time, right? All of us are middle school girls inside our hearts. We are. The emotions are everywhere. And while we feel this way, Paul is a writer in the New Testament, and he speaks about the reality of what our lives actually are. In Ephesians 1.11, Paul says this, in him, he's talking about Jesus here, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him. That is a loaded line right there. You have been hand-selected by God. He drafted you onto his team. He picked you. You're chosen, just like Jesus. Not only that, he says, you're predestined. This means there is a destiny for your life. God has already determined it according to his plans. He has very specific plans for this world, for human history, and you are a part of these plans. So regardless of how you feel about your life right in this moment, the truth is that you have a destiny that has been designed by God himself. Now, the real question, though, is how do you actually start to step into that destiny then? How do you know if you're living it? How do you know if you're not missing it? How do you know if you're not just wasting years of your life? And so this is where the life of Jesus is so powerful. He shows us what it looks like to step into destiny fulfillment. So I want to take a couple minutes. We're going to talk about the dynamics of destiny. What are some of these dynamics we must have in our lives if you are going to be able to get to the end of your life and say, yes, I have fulfilled God's purposes for me. This is what I want to look at. So the first thing we're going to talk about is your destiny requires development. Your destiny requires development. Now, I know everybody's going to recognize this image on the screen. I'm not trying to insult anybody here, but we all know what that is. It's an acorn, right? Now, here's what's kind of interesting about an acorn. I'm going to totally nerd out on you guys. I'm going to be your personal Wikipedia for a minute. Here's what's crazy about an acorn. It starts out like a little seed, basically, and it has the potential to become one of the strongest trees in nature, growing 100 feet tall. And an oak tree, you didn't ask for this, but you're welcome, by the time it reaches maturity, can produce 10,000 acorns a year. So a typical oak tree in its lifetime of maturity can produce over a million acorns. That's pretty incredible. All of that potential is packed into this small little seed. And yet even an oak tree 
cannot bypass the process of getting to that point. Every tree starts out as a seed, and it has to go through all the necessary steps of getting in the ground and having the right conditions and growing into its ultimate purpose. You need to understand, every single one of us, we start in seed form. You never come out fully cooked. You never are fully prepared for the destiny God has for you. It is a process of development. And what's fascinating is this was even true of Jesus. Look at Luke 2.52. This is one of those interesting verses in the Bible. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, I understand the stature thing. I'm like, okay, he was a baby. He had to grow up into a man. But what kind of wisdom does Jesus have to obtain? He's God. And this is one of those interesting nuances in the Bible. Yes, Jesus was perfect in nature. He was divine. And yet he fully embraced the human development process in his life. The full human experience. But there is a particular soil that God uses when it comes to development. It's very specific. Jesus went through it himself. Luke 4.1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Who led Jesus out there? So the Spirit. God led Jesus into this wilderness where if you read all the details around this, Jesus isn't eating. He's isolated. He's getting direct attacks from Satan himself. If there's one person who doesn't deserve to go into the wilderness, I'm telling you, it's Jesus. If there's one guy who probably doesn't need to go through this process, it's Jesus. And yet, God specifically leads him through this period as part of his own destiny development. There's a writer in Hebrews that points to this. We have to embrace this. If it's going to happen to Jesus, we got to know it's going to happen to us. Hebrews 5.8, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now again, Jesus is already perfect in nature. This writer is talking about the fact that he was perfected in the purpose that God was preparing him for. So at the right moment, he could fulfill his ultimate destiny of dying for our sins. That's what he's talking about. This is a pattern you will see all through the Bible if you look for it. Anytime God has a destiny for someone, which he does for everybody, he puts them through a wilderness. Abraham and Sarah have a dream, even a call from God, to have a kid. It takes 25 years for that to happen. Moses feels this call of God to save his people out of slavery, and he spends 40 years wandering around just taking care of sheep. Joseph feels like God has great things for him. And yet he spends the next 13 years in prison, living as a slave, the nation of Israel, 40 years in the desert. David, years as a shepherd, running from Saul. Paul spends years in prison. So let me just encourage you today. God has a destiny for you. And he's going to send you right into the wilderness to fulfill it. Let's close in prayer, everybody. This is a great day. Lord, we just thank you. Um, Again, the timing of this is just funny to talk about for me because it was three years ago. Nicole and I just got thrust 
into a wilderness. We felt lost. We were asking questions like, where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? We were like, maybe Colorado just hates us. and We need to move to a new state. This isn't working here. And we had no clarity about what was actually going on. It, it was a difficult, dry, desert-like season. And some of us in here, you are in the middle of one right now. You're in a season where you're asking God, what's the plan? Where are we going? Where's the destiny that apparently is supposed to happen for my life? Because it's feeling a little dry. And this can express itself in so many different ways. But if you feel like you're in a wilderness right now, there's a good chance that might be exactly what it is. And the thing I don't want to say, but unfortunately is just one of the realities, is God will often use the most difficult seasons and situations in your life for destiny development. It's the fertile soil for his purposes in your life. It's required. Merry Christmas. So I want to keep going, though. This important piece. But here's the next thing. Your destiny requires decision. Decision. Now, the interesting thing about these destiny conversations is a lot of people will say things like, well, hold on, Brian. If God has a destiny, then what matters, what does it matter that, that I do anything? Like, why should I even try? He's got a plan. I'm just some pawn on his chessboard. Like, what do my decisions have to do with anything if God's just going to make whatever happen, happen? Now, that's actually fatalism. Everything's totally predetermined. You have no say in the matter. That is actually not a biblical concept. That is not what the Bible means when it talks about predestined. This is what we mean by predestined. There's a great illustration of this in the Bible. At one point in time, Israel is coming out of their wilderness. They just spent 40 years in the desert, and they're on the edge of their destiny. They're about to enter the promised land. This is a huge moment. They've been waiting hundreds of years for this, and God is about to put their destiny right in front of them. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 30. God says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live in increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. So pause. God's saying, I have a destiny. This is my desire for you. This is what I want, and it can be yours. But there's another half to the offer. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away, and you're not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing, the Jordan, to enter and possess. There's destiny, but there's also destruction. And God says, you get to decide. And so this is the reality. Your destiny is chosen by God, but it must be fulfilled by you. You get to choose. It's your choice whether you're going to step into God's destiny for your life. So you look at the life of Jesus. He had many opportunities to turn away from his destiny and follow his own desires 
pick his own detours, do whatever he wanted to do. It, he constantly chose obedience and faithfulness to what God was calling him to in every single moment. So this is the question we have to ask ourselves right now. What decisions are you making right now that might be turning you away from God's destiny? What decisions are you making right now? Is there anything coming to mind right now where you're thinking, that's probably not what God wants for me? Any obvious sin patterns? Clear disobedience? Maybe there's just a spiritual drift. You're like, I am not where I know I'm supposed to be spiritually. This is what God is saying. Today, decide. Are you going to walk in his ways? Are you going to take this seriously? Do you want to fulfill the destiny? Because it is your choice. We have to make the decision ourselves. Your destiny requires it. But there's another piece to this I want to keep moving. It requires a decision by you, often daily. But your destiny also requires direction. Now, I'm wondering who in here is old enough to remember paper maps? Does anybody remember these things? Do you remember unfolding these giant maps as you're trying to navigate the car ride? I remember as a kid in the backseat of the car on vacations, my parents arguing over which tiny line to follow on the piece of paper for these family trips. It's ridiculous. I do not miss those days at all. What's kind of funny now, though, is I've lived in Colorado five years, and I know kind of basically where the main areas are that I need to go, and yet I will still plug in the address of the place when I'm going there, even though I kind of know how to get there already. I just use the directions on my phone. And I think the reason I do it is I think I don't need to know where the destination is because I have somebody who's going to give me the directions. So I don't stress it so much. Now, here's what's so frustrating about the destiny conversation with God. If you have ever walked with God for any length of time, you've had this moment. Lord, where are we going? What's the destination? Um, can you maybe give me a few details about this? Because truly, I, this is how I feel. I'm like, God, if you just tell me, I'll do it. Just tell me. Give me the details. I'll make it happen. Why are you making this so complicated, God? It's so frustrating. And this, I'm going to set some people free today, all right? This is going to set the type A people free today. You have to know that direction is not the same as details. It's not the same. I heard zero amens right there. Nobody is like, no, we, re we reject that in Jesus' name. Okay? Follow me here. Follow me with this. Proverbs 16, 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Interesting tension here. So what the writer is saying is all of us, we're trying to figure out our lives. We're making decisions. We're trying to see if the spaghetti's going to stick. We're not sure even where we're going most of the time. But while we are doing that, God is establishing the steps of our lives. You know what the key word is there? Steps. It doesn't say God is establishing the entire highway with all the exits and all the routes that you're supposed to follow and everything you're supposed to know. He says he will establish every step. And this is just how God works. He doesn't give every single detail. He gives the next step. And guess what? He doesn't even tell you where the step's going sometimes. You're just like walking. You're like, I don't even know what the next one is. 
He doesn't even tell you he's going to tell you what it is. So if you don't know what the next step is, good. That's just what God does sometimes. Now, that's not enough, though. I understand you're like, great, Brian, thank you. So helpful. There's another half to this, though. So on one level, you don't get the details. Because if God gave you all the details, you wouldn't be walking with him. You'd be walking with what you're trying to know and understand. God's saying, I don't want you to put your faith in the details. I want you to put your faith in me. So there's that piece. But there's another half to this. How can you have confidence that God is directing you if you don't even know what the directions are? Can you even have confidence in that? And this is what we see in Jesus' life. You see a pattern in his life. Before Jesus makes any massive directional change, anytime he makes a huge decision, you see a pattern. Look in Mark 135. This is right before Jesus decides he needs to make some moves in his ministry. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Right before Jesus selects his 12 disciples, these are the 12 people that he's going to build this movement with. It says this in Luke 6, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Right before Jesus goes to the cross, he is less than a full day away from being nailed to a piece of wood. It says this in Matthew 26, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Jesus consistently desperately prayed to God in those moments he needed decisions and direction. He desperately sought after God. If Jesus required this for his own destiny fulfillment, how much more do you think we need it? And here's how this seeking thing works. Again, you will see the pattern in the entire Bible. People start seeking God for direction. And you know what God does? He provides it. He responds. Now, some people, you'll see, will get the miraculous responses from God. Miracles. Absolute clarity. Like, no denying that God has just moved. Those are the ones we want, right? We want the, the writing on the wall. That's what we want. But actually, I found this in my own life, and you see examples of this in Scripture of how God often works. And what usually happens is God provides direction where you don't even discern it. You can't even tell that he's providing it in the moment. Let me give you an example. So if you haven't heard of Esther, she's a famous queen in the Bible, crazy cool woman, and at one moment she is trying to get direction on how to save an entire nation of people. This is a big moment in your life. And she's praying and seeking God. There is not a single moment in the entire book of Esther where God's name is mentioned. It never says, and the Lord answered her prayer. And it doesn't say, and God provided direction. And God told her what to do. Not a single time. But as you read that story, you see the thread of God's presence working in the background, even though he's not even detected in the moment. That's how God works. There's an example in David's life. He's desperately seeking God for help and direction. And not a single time does it say, and then God did it. And then God showed up and everybody's minds were blown. You just see the circumstances start to shift in his favor. And so often God's direction will not be obvious to you. You won't even be able to detect it when it's happening in the moment. 
And yet the promise is, as you seek him, as you pray to him, as you ask for guidance, God says, I will establish every single step. Even when you don't know where the steps are going, God says, don't worry, I'm directing the path. You know, when Nicole and I had everything blow up uh, back three years ago, you know, and we're like, okay, I guess we're in survival mode. We're just going to figure out our lives. <clears throat> we were um, in a transition moment with church. And so we're like, well, we got to figure out a church to go to. Things are starting to open up again. And we did not have a lot of criteria for church. We said, we just need something that the kids like, that we can be anonymous in, because I've done enough, enough church work. I don't want to do more church stuff. And um, we just hang out. And it needs to be close to the house. And so we stumbled into this church called Northern Hills those years ago. And Nicole and I made ourselves nice and comfortable. We had our seat right in the second row. I appreciate people keeping those seats vacant. Those are still our seats right there. So yeah, thank you. Keep those warm. And we had our spot there right in the second row every week. And we were just coming. And I'll tell you, I never saw lights come down from heaven. Never heard a voice. Nicole and I were just trying to find a church to go to. We're trying to work jobs to pay the bills. There was no discernment process in the whole thing. I didn't in any way think God was directing my life. And maybe this is the case for you today. What do you need direction for? What is that thing in your life right now where you're like, God, I would love an answer. I would love for you just to show me what the next step is. What is that thing? And here's what I can tell you. God might give you absolute clarity on it. He might do that and praise him. But he also may not. And as you seek him, it'll still feel like you are aimlessly floundering around in your life. And yet God says, every single step is being hand-directed by me. That's the promise. You need direction. And God is the only one that can give it to you when it comes to your destiny. Now, there's one more piece here, and we'll close it up. Your destiny requires deference. Now, I know what everybody's thinking right now. Deference, Brian? Good job working on the Ds, okay? You're pushing the alliteration too hard. Pastor Solon, our worship pastor, the whole week, he's like, dude, nobody knows what that word means, man. Just pick a different word. It doesn't have to start with D, okay? We like how you use the same letters, but it's not that important. Now, I actually like the word, okay? I picked it on purpose, not just because it starts with D. I think it fits. So take your thesaurus out. Um, you know what it means to defer to somebody, right? You're letting them make the decision. Let them take the lead. You're coming up behind. That's what deference is. And I'm wondering um, if anybody in here, do you remember what you wanted to be when you were a kid, what you would be when you grew up? You remember that first thing you really dreamed of doing? Does anything come to mind? I remember as a kid, I wanted to be a professional snowboarder. Clearly, I'm not living my dream right now, but that was the dream. And it's funny, though, because we all have those things, right? You know, we want a professional athlete, whatever. Um, there is a moment, though, when reality hits in your life. It's kind of a sad moment when you realize that you actually cannot live all of your dreams. And I know we like to sell this message in America. If you just work hard enough, if you just put in the time, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. No, you can't. No, you can't. I don't care how much I work right now. I am not getting into the NBA. The Nuggets have never called. I'm a short white boy who is aging. Nobody's calling me. It's not going to happen. 
And sometimes this is a sad moment because you're like, well, I guess I can't. And then we, we kind of think the dreams are going to die. And I guess I'm just going to have to be an accountant. You know, that, that's what we think. That's life. And I don't think this has to be a discouraging moment. This doesn't have to be devastating or disappointing because you know what's so great about this? The moment you realize God doesn't have something for you, that should give you clarity. You know, okay, that's not in my destiny. God has something else for me, uniquely designed for my life and what I'm designed for. And there's a moment in your life when you realize it is so much better to defer my plans and my dreams to God and give them over to him. Jesus did this perfectly in his life, but there was a defining moment that has changed the entire world if it had gone the other way, and this is the ultimate moment of deference for Jesus. In Luke 22, this is before Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to endure a horrific death. He says this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. And the cup was the suffering. It was the cross. It was separation from God, his wrath. That's what he was talking about. But look what this last line says. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus had desires, and they were not to go to the cross. He didn't want to do it. Jesus had alternative dreams that he would have liked to have lived out especially in this moment. And yet, this is the ultimate moment of deference in his life where he says, Lord, it's your destiny, not mine. And I'm just trusting you with it. And this is a radical moment in your faith when you get to a point where you can say this right from your heart, God, I want what you want for my life more than what I want for myself. That's a massive point in your life when you could say that. Lord, I'd rather have what you want for me, even if it means I have to give up all the dreams and the desires and what I want. I know ultimately that what you have for me is better. So I'm going to defer. Again, going back for Nicole and I, we're hanging out in Northern Hills. We're just living our life. In my mind, the dream was dead. I had desires, things I wanted to do with my life, like, there were dreams. They were dead. We're just trying to live our lives. And what was so interesting is through this entire process, I thought I was on plan J for my life. Um, I did not discern that the directing was happening through every painful situation, through every detour, so through everything that felt like three steps backwards. And while we're sitting here, just doing our thing at Northern Hills, letting random strangers watch our kids for an hour so we could just get one hour of quiet to ourselves, that was when a conversation started with John Holtorf, the lead pastor at the time. And he said, hey, I think there might be some destiny here. I'm wondering if God might be in something and that this wasn't all just random and pointless and spaghetti getting thrown against the wall and falling off. And that maybe God designed this. And that maybe you're supposed to be a part of this church in a different way. And that led ultimately to me even becoming the next lead pastor of this church, which was the most unexpected thing I could have ever imagined. Nothing I ever dreamed of, something I didn't even want, was not even interested in, to be honest with you. And yet, God was working out a destiny. And can I tell you guys, one year into this role now, 
the way God brings about your destiny is so weird. It doesn't make any sense. I never in a million years would have guessed this. I'm a kid from Chicago. What am I doing here in Colorado talking to you guys? Some of you, what are you doing here? Why are you sitting in this room? Like, it's so strange. I can't even figure out the math in my head. And yet, this is the encouragement I can give you. If you will just get to a point in your life where you say, okay, God, whatever your destiny may be, I'd rather have that. Even if it's something I wouldn't have thought or expected. And I'm telling you, when you get to a point in your life where you're able to say that, God says, okay, I can work with that. I can start directing those steps. You defer to me, I'll get you where you need to go. It might feel longer than you think it's going to take. It might be harder than you thought it was going to be, but I will get you to your destiny. And I know as, as we close here, for many of us, still, this is a hard thing to believe. Because for many of us, we think, Brian, I have messed up way too much. I can't undo so much of the damage I have done to my life. I have wasted years, even decades. I can't undo these things. There's no way I can fulfill some destiny. I'm just hoping to get into heaven. That's what some of us are thinking. If I can just squeak through, sneak through the back door, then that's all I'm hoping for. I read this scripture at the top of the sermon. It goes like this, Ephesians 1.11. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him. I hid the last half of the verse from you. But you have to hear it. Look what the rest of it says who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. He works out, what is it? You know what everything means in the Greek? Everything. <laughs> That's what it means. All of the things. Do you see what Paul is saying? God is going to work out every single detail of your life for his purposes. Every mistake, every failure, every decision that you wish you could relive and do differently, God is bringing it all together to fulfill the destiny for your life. Every single thing is coming together for him to fulfill everything he designed you for. Now, how can I have such confidence in this? Why can you walk out here knowing this without a shadow of a doubt? Because Jesus was not just able to fulfill his purpose in three short years. He was able to defeat sin and death in three short days. He took care of the human sin problem in a weekend. You put up a backsplash. If Jesus can do this, I'm telling you, do you think it's too hard for him to figure out how to work the details of your life together for destiny fulfillment? I'm telling you, it is not too hard. It is actually an easy thing for him. God can do more in three hours than you could do in three lifetimes. And he is working together every single piece of your destiny and you are going to fulfill it because of what Jesus was even able to do through a cross. And so, church, this is the call. Give your life to Jesus. Trust your destiny to him. All of the decisions, defer, make them. 
and step out into the development process. And this is the promise we have. As you do this, God will work everything together for his glory and your destiny. Let's pray together. God, we are just in awe of what you are able to do. You truly are a miracle worker, Lord. That you could work all the details out of human history for your good purposes. Nothing can thwart what you want to see done in this world. And Lord, you even took a cross and you turned it into the conduit of forgiveness and grace in this world. And Jesus, we know if you can do that, you can fulfill your purposes in our lives too. Even our worst moments, God, out of your amazing power and grace, you can transform them into testimonies of your faithfulness and your goodness and your power in our own lives. So Lord, I pray right now that you would help us step into the destiny you have for us. Lord, I pray that we truly would believe that you have a unique custom design purpose for our lives. And Jesus, we thank you that you fulfilled yours perfectly on our behalf. Lord, I just pray we would walk forward in confidence, taking every step, knowing you are directing, you are making a way. And regardless what happens, Lord, even in the uncertainties, in the wilderness seasons, in whatever may come, Lord, we know that you are the one who ultimately fulfills our destiny in our lives. So help us trust that today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. We're going to do something. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.